This episode is brought to you by toolshedtoys.com. Adult toys, that is. Of course, our kids will reach porn sooner or later. You know, most people think that, oh, maybe this will start happening when they turn like 15. No, that's not true at all. You know, it starts happens from like 9, 10, 11. They are already, you know, on it. If you want to help them, you need to tell them that it, you know, that it does exist. You need to tell them about your values, how you feel about it, what you feel is 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 right or not right about it, you know? And then it depends on, on what age group they are, obviously, how detailed that, that conversation should be. But pretending that it doesn't exist, that will not take you anywhere. That would be like letting your, do- your daughter go to a, a club or a bar or a discotheque without talking to them about alcohol or cigarettes or drugs or, you know, how the world works. You need to prepare them. Welcome to the Wash Your Mouth Out podcast. Power, pleasure, and parenting. We are stigma-smashing feminist parents creating a new narrative. Put in your earbuds. This is for you only. This is the place to be entertained, empowered, inspired, and feel seen while you're raising small humans. We need your help. You can support us for as little as a dollar a month or for more get some cool prizes please go and check out our patreon at patreon.com slash wash your mouth out thank you erica lust is an acclaimed filmmaker who creates artistic indie adult cinema that portrays sexually intelligent narratives relatable characters and realistic hot sex on her crowdsourced project x confessions Erica takes anonymous user-submitted fantasies and turns them into captivating explicit short films that go beyond traditional gender roles and tired stereotypes. In September of 2019, she is relaunching her site, Lust Cinema, as a US-based studio for lovers of cinema and sex. Erica defends the importance of having women behind the camera in all key positions to capture the female gaze and show that women's pleasure matters. Her revolutionary cinema reflects her views on sex as a healthy, natural part of life worth celebrating. Welcome, Erica Lust. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> It's so great to have you here, Erica. This is, this is just so lovely. I'm so excited to be chatting with you today. Me and too. Yes, and there's so much to talk about. So do you consider the work, the erotic film that you make to be feminist porn? And well, if, you, if you do, yeah. or how would you define feminist porn as well? Yeah, yeah. I think it's complicated, to be honest. I mean, I am a feminist. Uh, I Mm -hmm. consider myself being a feminist since many, many years back. 
and I do porn, so in that sense, maybe it could be called feminist porn, but I think it's, it's a term that makes people feel uncomfortable somehow. It's yeah. a term that people don't really understand, you know? When, maybe if you're in a group of feminists, it could be used and people do understand what it means. But if you just talk to regular people and you say feminist porn, most of them, they would think that there's something kind of anti-male in feminist, and that there's something very anti-female in pornography so they just really can't make them go together and then if you continue and you kind of insist and you say no but but think about it what could it be you know then they start imagining things and then then many many times they they ask me for example so is it is it just women and then you know I go that would be lesbian porn right and they (laughs) of course and they start thinking and then they go like so what is feminist porn is it like ugly women with hair under their arms (laughs) you know with with strap-ons on ready to go out and fuck all the men in the world that's kind of you know the imagination of people and I would you know if if we're talking about (laughs) yeah It's kind of ridiculous, but that's what people see, you know, feminism is still a controversial thing for people, even if, you know, me and and people around me uh, understands perfectly what it means, you know, there's still many people in the world we live in having a trouble to understand what feminism really entitles and what it is. Uh, But for me, I mean, for me, feminist porn, what would it be? It would be, you know, pornography that uh, that cares about female perspectives. It would be about having women participating in the making of, in these movies, you know, behind the cameras as, as creative people and, and, and directing, producing, distributing, uh, doing camera work, you know, doing all of the creative uh, job, really. Showing their, their, uh, their female gaze, the stories that we want to tell, how we live our sexuality. But then it would also be about representation. What what are we actually showing in these films? You know, how are we representing gender roles and women on screen and people on screen in in general? So it's actually, I think it's it's many different aspects that comes into the whole kind of idea of of, of feminist porn. But you know, which I think is really just feminist filmmaking. It is. It is when you dive into it it's feminist filmmaking and then with 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 storytelling around sexuality i think that that's what's interesting about it does it have um do you think that naturally feminist porn or porn made by women or porn made by feminists would naturally be more narrative than other Porn? Not necessarily. No, I don't think so. I think there's many, many different kind of women out there or many different kind of feminists because, of course, there are also men who are feminists, right? And um, 
and 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 all of them are different and are showing their visions through their films so not necessarily it's about you know showing more of a narrative uh, then if if you're talking about my filmmaking i would say yeah i normally show more of a narrative in my films but that's because that's what i am interested in doing you know but i think you know feminist filmmaking can be any kind of, of filmmaking really, any kind of style. It's more about, about the participation and about the, the representation. And Erica, what originally inspired you to start making erotic films? Oh, uh, it's a long story. It's a long story and it goes way <laughs> <hear> it. <laughs> Yes, uh, and it starts uh, when, well, obviously when I was a young adult, you know, as, as any young adults out there trying to figure out who I was and my sexuality and what I liked and what I didn't like. And, and I, 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 I watched porn, like most people do, you know. Uh, back then it was very different from what it is today because I'm, I'm already 42 years old, so uh, it's been a while. Um, but what I can tell you is that I, when I started to watch porn, I had the feeling that most of the porn that I, I found was very centered around male sexuality. It was stories that somehow almost always were showing women as some kind of beautiful object, trophy. She was there to kind of to give him pleasure, to help, help him having his pleasure. But it wasn't really about, about us. I felt that it wasn't really my kind of stories that were being told. And I think that that but back then you know i had started to study political science i had started with gender studies i was you know a person thinking about about the world we live in and about power structures and how everything is organized and how we are being represented and i i had this strong feeling that i was not represented in 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 most of the porn out there the way that i that I felt that I had sex or that even, you know, my, my, my friends had sex. Um, and then actually I, I, I dug a little more into it and I came around some films by a filmmaker called Candida Royale. I'm sure yes. you're familiar with her, but maybe some people out there are not. Um, and I, I came across her work and I kind of, had a revelation you know i really felt that oh my god this is the first time i'm seeing films that are shown from you know a female perspective with mm -hmm. female gaze telling stories from from you know a woman's point of view showing female pleasure uh, as uh, as a main interest in this film and for me that was totally eye-opening and then i did some more research and i came across uh, a very interesting book by a film professor called linda williams uh, a film professor at berkeley university it was called hardcore the frenzy of the visible and, and in, in that book, I started to realize that porn was actually much more than porn, that it was this kind of discourse about sexuality, you know, showing how we interact sexually with each other, showing, you know, masculinity and femininity and, and, and 
and and for me that become an 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 aha sensation of oh my god porn it's not it's not like everybody says that porn has to be this way porn can actually be done in a different way depending on the person making it but but depending on on the values that the people have behind the camera what they actually want to show on screen and i think that that at that at that point in my life i started to really to really thinking about it but then i had i had many many conversations with so many people telling me that uh, everything i said was just pure bullshit because the whole idea of porn was kind of you know just to see a man you know taking a woman and 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 I just felt so disappointed by people's vision. Uh, so I, for, for a few years, it was just something that was going on in my head. You know, I was, I was just kind of thinking, there must be a way of doing it differently. There must be a way. I mean, I've seen in the films of Candida that it's actually possible. And there must be a way of kind of, of getting great filmmaking into this process and see how you can actually make something, you know, interesting on not only on on a value level uh kind of for my for my desire but also on a visual level and and those were the ideas that i i a few years later on in life um i i had started to study filmmaking at that point i had moved down to barcelona because i was born in sweden and i i, I went to university in in sweden but then i came down here to the south of of europe to barcelona and i um and i was studying filmmaking and i had an opportunity to make a short film and this is back in in the year 2004 and I guess at that point, I kind of, you know, uh, I, I decided that I wanted to try my wings. I wanted to see if all these ideas I had had back at university, if I could actually do something with them. So I wrote a script for a short film. It was called The Good Girl. And, and I... Uh, I, I made it. <laughs> and that's kind of how everything started. You've been making porn for a while. And I imagine, though, that you still run into people regularly who don't believe that porn can be good for culture, can be good for women, can be good for the viewers, could be good for the actors, um, would be okay for young people to see. Mm -hmm. What kinds of things do you say in those conversations? Well, I mean, what you are describing is the general vision that, that most people have when, when they think about porn, you know? Uh, it's the, the vision of our culture somehow. Uh, what do I say? Well, I say that, that I, I think that porn can be whatever you want it to be. I, I think that porn can be really horrible and shitty. And I also think that it can be absolutely fantastic and beautiful and amazing. It all depends on what you want to make with it. In the end, I mean, what is porn? It's just media, right? It's media right. showing explicit sex. That's actually, you know, what it is. And you can do that from so many different angles that it's, it's, it's ridiculous. 
this idea that people have that it can just be one thing. So often, Erica, I, I try in conversations to have people replace the word porn with film and just yeah. see, because all the things that you're saying, like porn can be horrible and misogynistic, right? Film yeah. can be horrible and misogynistic, you yeah. know? Um, it can also be empowering and um, a representation of our culture. It can be so many different things. And it goes for everything. You know, we can, we can say food or we can say, you know, right. architecture or we can say, you know, it's, this, is, this is anything that's out there. It's just how, how we want to make it and what, what, what we want to make it into. But, but I, I guess it's a, it's a hard change for people because today, what I mean, when we look at the, the bigger picture of what porn has become, because it's also important to remember that porn came around, you know, in the 60s and the 70s as a, as a liberal movement somehow to a very conservative society. And mm -hmm. in the beginning, I mean, it was made by people who had visions and who had ideas and who wanted to, to, to show uh, a liberal sexuality, really. And many of those, of those people were also incredible filmmakers, you know. They had, they had visions and they had ideas of how they wanted to represent the sex on the screen. And then I think that... What, what happened is that with the video revolution, when, when video came, uh, somehow it, it really dumped the prices of the technology of making film or making porn, you know? And lots of people who uh, decided that it was easy to just go and get a video camera, but they were not really filmmakers, they didn't really have any visions, and they had maybe access, some of them were strip, uh, strip club owners, or, you know, that kind of group of, of, of people, and they bought themselves cameras, they said, hey, let's start filming the girls, let's earn money on this. And I think that that porn, little by little, turned more and more into an industry instead of mm -hmm. kind of being, you know, uh, a movement. It turned into an industry. And people realized uh, quickly that it was an easy way of earning quick money. Uh, so it kind of became, you know, a sausage factory. People were just, you know, making more and more and more. <laughs> and, uh, sausage factory. And not really caring about you know, not really caring about, about, about the end product and, and, and in that, in that uh, advance also not really caring about the production process, about really taking care of all the people involved, etc. And, um, and then if we keep on, you know, if we keep on going, then internet came around and changed all the rules again. Uh, and in the beginning, when internet came around, you know, the, the, what, what started to happen was that some, some studios become, became even kind of bigger in the beginning. They started these pay sites online and they became very, very popular and powerful. And uh, they, you know, started even to, to contract, to do contracts with some of the, of the performers. This whole kind of porn star uh, revolution started, right? with big names and, and uh, glamorous films and all of that. But then the tubes came around 
and kind of knocked out many of these studios and, and the studio system in porn. And what we have today is mostly the tube sites running the porn industry. That's, you know, that's the truth. And it's most of these people, they are just tech guys. They are not even interested in, you know, porn or interested in sexuality or, you know, their goal is not to represent the best possible way human sexuality on screen. You know, that's not what they are after. This is like, like any other business. This is like big like big food or big pharma, you know, right. where they're not really interested in, in, in making the best food with the best nutrients or the best medicine that will help us. No, they're not. They are interested in concentrating the power and, and earning as much money as possible. And that's kind of what have happened with this industry. I mean, really, the in the companies, the independent part of the porn industry today is a very, very, very small crumble of what's out there, you know. I'm very happy that that I have made my company grow these years mm. and that we have we have had lots of success. But if we're gonna be completely honest, you know, we are a small crumble in this in this huge kind of porn panorama that's out there. I mean, most people they are not even aware that there's one company that almost had the monopoly on this industry today, a company called MindGeek that are based, you know, in Montreal, Canada, and they are the owners of most of the tube sites that you probably know by name. I don't have to mention them, but if you think of, of, of these tube sites on the top of your head, you know, they are probably the owners of most of those sites. And they are also the owners of many of the important uh, porn studios with the kind of the pay sites, you know, because porn today is kind of the free tube sites and the pay sites. Yeah. But I think it's important to understand that this the, this structure of the free tube sites, it's not really, you know, free porn. It's actually stolen porn. It's porn, you know, made stolen. by yes. made and by ads. creators. And and the business is running on ads. Yeah. And many times it's this kind of fake ads, you know, or shit ads. It's like uh, grow your penis, buy grow your penis pills, you know. Yeah. And, and people are actually, you know, they are actually doing this because we are sometimes we are laughing at this stuff and we are saying, ah, who would do that? Who would believe that this actually works? But there's lots of lonely people out there having, you know, no emotional support, right. no no sex life, and nothing, and they are around these sites. And yes. when they see this, they believe that maybe it could work for them. So they fill in their credit card details. And when, 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 you know, when these pills arrives and they don't work, they don't call the police. They don't tell anyone that this is actually scam, you know? Yes. I love your metaphor about big food. Yeah. Uh, that's an incredible metaphor just in terms, I'm thinking, you know, that a, a lot of the people who might listen to our podcast might be thinking, oh, I'm going to buy my baby organic, you know, free range um, food. And then, you know, if you're watching porn, where are you putting your porn money? You know, are you really thinking about that? Are you thinking about who it's going to and how you're being affected by everything you consume in that way? I think um, that so often that. what, what comes into play is our 
you know, our relation, it goes back to our relationship with our body, our sexuality, and then porn, right? So if we don't have a healthy and open relationship with our body and our sexuality and able to talk about our desires or even consumption of porn, there's this kind of, I think there's uh, less of a mindfulness often happening surrounding um, uh, seeking out porn. But I've also noticed, I mean, I started directing back in 2005. So Erica and I have have been around for (laughs) a a while, but, you know, during that time, there's, there's been such a movement. And although it is very small, I think we've grown um, an audience that wasn't actually um, uh, watching porn before, you know, there's this whole new audience that's, that's um, come of age and that is um, actively seeking out um, feminist and ethical um, porn or erotic films. And I think every day that more and more people are becoming more aware because they, they, they have already started it in other areas, like we are saying with food, for example, they are starting to become more responsible consumers, understanding how the system works. Uh, but when it comes to porn, I think one of the biggest problems is that as it is so shameful for many people, mm-hmm. they have this kind of resistance to it. You know, they have this feeling that if they go on the tube sites, nobody will nobody know. Knows. It's like, you know, if they pay, they have the, 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 the fear of someone finding out that it will be on their bank account that, you know, <sighs> And, and that's a pity. I mean, I think what we really have to, to get to here is, is to the whole idea of porn being shameful. It shouldn't mm-hmm. be shameful. It should be part of a healthy sexuality. I think it's so difficult for people to wrap their minds around that when, you know, there, there is a segment of it that it really does take advantage of actors and has in the past made things dangerous for folks and can show very dangerous ways of um, showing up sexually in the world. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's so difficult to, um, to, to break through some of that stuff that has been planted in our minds about this is the only way that it can be. But we see that in, in television and in film as well. And it, it still doesn't carry with it the same stigma. People stigma. watch yeah. um, mainstream Hollywood films that are riddled with sexism yeah. and problematic themes. And, you know. <laughs> but this and, is just worse because it's yeah. sex. It's genitals. It's the worst, you know, Puritan. Because of our relationship with our genitals. Yes, because of our relationship with our genitals, yes. But Um, the more that we are having these kind of conversations that we are having today, you know, the more, the more... I think that we're starting to think about it and, and, and it becomes clear. I mean, I, I hear, I receive some wonderful emails sometimes from people, especially from men, you know, saying that 
that they were happy with the porn they used to watch because they never really thought about it. And then suddenly they read an article where I was talking about porn or they heard, you know, a podcast or something. And then they started to realize that the porn that they normally are watching that it's uh, not the best one, you know, because they never seen that the words that they are using, for example, because if you go on any of these tube sites today, I mean, the wording is horrible. They are talking about destroying tiny teens, you know, these are taglines that are actually being used and nobody's talking about it. And then the whole, the whole kind of way of fetishizing on people from different groups, you know, body types, ages, uh, you know, it's the MILFs and it's the teens and it's the, uh, the, 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 the ethnicities. Uh, everything is Asians and Latins. And, and um, I think we need to kind of clean up the language that they are using on these sites. And I think the more we protest about it, the more people will, will start actually seeing it. It's interesting yeah, to hear absolutely. your perspective, you know, towards some kind of censorship as a porn maker yourself. Mm -hmm. um, that is very interesting to hear that perspective. Um, yeah, I I have uh, heard about people searching for certain kinds of things, and as a as a parent, some of it is incredibly um, horrific to think that it's so easy for you know you know a child or my child is some years from now to just go searching and you know not even know those search terms, but the fir the front page of it is going to bring up all kinds of things and what is that and. Um, it, it seems so scary. And I feel like if we can, if, if people know that there are other options, um, which I think most people don't, that uh, hopefully, you know, less money is going toward that. But it's the, whole, it's the whole system. It's the whole internet. It's not only the tube sites. You know, you, you can only go to, to Google and Google big dick. And what will you see? You know, they will serve you with big dicks uh, that they will find on all these, you know, porn sites. They will not send you to a Wikipedia page where they will, you know, yes. talk about <laughs> penises. And, and what's normal size for a penis and you're just fine. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is the internet that we have created, you know, and, and, and all these companies, Google, etc. you know, they are in this, they are, they are not really helping out yes. to, to, to make it educational and nice for everyone, you know. Uh, I have so a question for you about um, where you're currently making porn. You've, you've made porn in multiple countries now, um, and you're currently in Spain. And I always thought of Spain as like a conservative Catholic country. Um, and recently somebody was there and told me, oh, no, you're totally wrong. It's very feminist. It's very sexually open. What's your perspective on where well, you're making porn right now? I, I live in Barcelona. I don't know if you heard anything about Barcelona, but Barcelona is a very liberal city. It's a very cool city, it's very modern, it's cosmopolitan, it's a great, great city to live actually. 
So I think Spain might be a more conservative country in its whole, you know, and especially on the countryside. But I think that in the world we live in today, most, I mean, most big cities, they are, they are kind of alike, even if we're talking about, you know, Los Angeles or Stockholm or Sydney or Buenos Aires or Barcelona. It doesn't seem that different to you from Stockholm. No, not that much. Not that much. So I would interesting. Say, but but I would say that if we if we're talking about porn, I would say that it's more difficult in Sweden because even if Sweden is a very kind of open country where sexuality is very accepted and you know we were the first country in the world to make sex education obligatory in schools etc but Sweden is a country where porn is still very badly looked upon okay Mm. Mm. that's interesting yeah but I also I think it also has to do with the feminist movement because it came to Spain later on and it came yes. to Spain earlier and I think that if you look at the first wave of feminism it was very anti-porn right and second too <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah the first waves <laughs> it's not until now we really have you know started to 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 feel that sexuality is actually a very important part of being you know a woman and of being a human being and and that 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 porn can have great um great values for women i think that 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 there's there's so much that women can profit from watching porn actually i'm just i was that just made me think of um you know, what an epidemic there is of women with a lack of libido and how we don't see that, but there's so much uh, of a, it's, you know, more common and accepted for men to find that through porn and really not for women. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and, and I think especially hormonally, it just, it can be more challenging for women. Um, So yeah, so much value in that, or at least I find value in it. Also, because as a woman, it's difficult to find something where you feel that you are represented in an honest and great way, kind of, you know? Or you're just not going to vomit from watching. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. But but, but that's, that's, and and I... (laughs) also conversations that I have with many people you know especially many men who have tried to watch porn with their you know wives or girlfriends during years and it never really worked out and then they found my films and they go like wow Erica thank you so much this is like the first time that we have been able to actually watch a film and have a good night together and I mean, that's, that's just fantastic. And that is, that is one of the reasons why I'm making the films that I'm making, because I, I think that we are, as you know, human beings, that we are hungry for erotic narratives, that we are hungry to see other people on screen talking about sex and having sex. That, that, that it's extremely interesting to see how they are actually doing it, how they are interacting with each other, how they are responding to each other's desires and taking care of each other. And it's, it's difficult to find that kind of films. And I think that that kind of films also helps us to open up uh, a dialogue about sex, you know, to start Absolutely. talking about what is going on in that film? Is it something that you have felt this kind of desire? Is it something that you would like to try? 
how could you figure out that together? And I think that, that it's really a great way of starting a conversation, watching a film together and then, you know, talking about what, what was going on, what was happening. And if you would like to do that kind of play in your own life. Oh, it's time for a sponsor break. The Toolshed is a mission-driven, education-based sex toy store located in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. More than your typical adult store, the Toolshed provides quality, body-safe products that enhance the sexual lives and relationships of their customers. And they do it all in a comfortable, compassionate, and welcoming atmosphere. Not located in... <clears throat> Not located near Milwaukee? That's okay. The Toolshed's online shop at www.toolshedtoys.com serves customers all over the world. The Toolshed strives to be a source for accurate, up-to-date information about sexual health and pleasure. Their store is staffed by sexuality educators who are invested in providing sex-positive and inclusive support to their customers throughout their lifespan, no matter where they're from. The Toolshed stocks a large selection of products made from body-safe materials. They have sexy toys for folks of all genders, orientations, and inclinations, including gear for strap-on play, vibrators to stimulate a variety of body parts, BDSM gear, kink supplies, and much more. The Toolshed is also proud to offer a large inventory of gender expression supplies, like binders, soft packers, shaping underwear, and breast forms. Last but not least, the Toolshed stocks lots of great books on topics like raising gender variant and queer kids, staying sexy and connected while parenting, how to talk to your kids about sex, how to negotiate consent, and so many other important issues facing sex-positive families today. Every day, the Toolshed staff answers questions about products, pleasure, health, and consent, all without shame or stigma. They regularly offer classes on topics that are relevant to today's families, like creating a consent culture at home, ethical non-monogamy, gender expression, sex and disability, and sex and aging. The Toolshed offers in-person and online private consultations for people who have questions about any of those things, as well as other subjects like communication and relationships, establishing healthy boundaries, fertility basics, alternative menstrual products, and other topics that folks deal with every day as sexual beings. You can visit the Toolshed in person at 2427 North Murray Avenue in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, or check out their online store at www.toolshedtoys.com. From now through the end of 2019, use the promo code WASH2019 at checkout for a 10% discount off of your next purchase. Back to our show. So much has changed in the years that we've been making films. Um, and 
I think it's, it's 17 years that I've been um, in the adult film industry now. And so much has changed here in the States. And what are the things for you that specifically stand out that you feel like have changed in erotic film um, and within the feminist porn movement um, where, where you're located in Barcelona and globally? Yeah, uh, well, I, th I think kind of on a global level that we are more now. I think that you started to talk a little about it before, but, but that even if, if we are, like I said, a crumble, uh, we are a crumble that's getting bigger and bigger. You know, we are, we are starting to exist on, on, on kind of on the map of, of the industry. They are starting to looking at what we are doing, being interested, seeing that we are coming in with, with energy and with values that are important. Also, when we start talking about the whole production uh, kind of uh, values that we have and how we are making the films, because I think that that that's an, also a, a perspective that is really, really important to talk about. Taking responsibility, uh, you know, being being uh, careful with people you are working with, with cast and crew, making sure that everybody is comfortable, uh, that we are talking about boundaries. Uh, there's many different aspects uh, that I think. Uh, are in the move at this moment at this uh, moment in time but especially i'm starting to see more and more women getting into this absolutely <laughs> well and it, it and it's so extremely important i mean it's it's really to, to be honest, you know, we all know that that the ones who have been have been, you know, showing their vision and their gaze through pornography during years and years have been men, and especially the little group of middle-aged heterosexual men. You know, it's been their vision of sex that we have seen, and so many of them, uh, they only kind of wanted to see, you know, boobs and ass, and you know that that vision. It wasn't more than that. And I think that it's so, so necessary to see a more uh, wholesome vision of humanity, uh, to see people from different uh, backgrounds, different perspectives, different sexualities, different genders, different, you know, uh, ethnicities, different everything but just seeing people starting to express their sexuality and that coming through on these films i think i think that's a huge change i love that idea of you know the actors bringing their own sexuality to a film um where this is like you know not just acting but also um evocative of what sexuality is like for a real person that you could relate to their story. Um, and that just feels like very important to me in terms of when young people then come to porn, right? So that they're actually, so that young people have the ability to see real people's stories show up um, in a way that they can relate to. And, and also, um, thinking about, you know, different groups of folks like young folks, I love that you have specifically in this last year included so many narratives in your films, including pregnant or mothering individuals. Mm -hmm. And this is so powerful and important and um, obviously um, something that this podcast is really into. 
Um, wanting to know like what drew you toward making films with these narratives, including the MILF next door, which I bought and I watched for research um, because not only were we interviewing you, but we interviewed Sadie Loon, who was an actor in that um, and loved that film so much and the pregnancy sex documentary, which you recently have out this year. Uh, You know, what, what drew you toward making films with these narratives? I guess bottom line, I am a mother, you know, I have two daughters, Uh, they're eight and 12, the older one just turned 12, so she's becoming a little woman almost at this time, you know, Uh, and and I just felt that it's so important to show different faces in our lives also, you know. Uh, I During this year, I also made a film called Soul Sex with John and Annie. It's a couple, they are, you know, 82 and 84. I wanted to show <laughs> that sex is not only for, you know, young people and, and beautiful bodies. It's, it's for everybody, you know. We are all part of it and we all have our experiences and during a life, your sexuality also changes a lot, you know? And I, I, I know that when I was pregnant, I was looking for, for videos and most of what I could find was not really attractive because either it was very kind of exploitative or it was more kind of instructional video. And I, I, I just wanted to see, you know, a pregnant woman having beautiful sex somehow, you know, being honest and doing what she wanted. So um, when uh, Tiffany contacted me, Tiffany Doll that I worked with before, an actress from France, when she contacted me and said, hey, Erica, I am pregnant uh, together with my husband, Bruno, and I would love to show, to show that in a film. I just felt, oh my God, this is the moment. I need to do this. I had been looking for, actually, for a couple for a few years, but I hadn't really found anyone that that I felt, you know, would work for doing this film. And... Um, and I think it's 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 such a great film in the sense that it's it's it doesn't want to be instructional in any way. It doesn't want to be you know uh, exploitative of a of a of a pregnant woman's body. It's just want to show a pregnant couple and their sex life at that moment and how you know she feels about it and her thoughts. When, and 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 yeah, I'm as a as a mom myself, I know um, I, it was very important for me to continue to um, work as a performer um, and document my sexuality during my pregnancy. And I, I feel that it is so important. Like I, I see, I see porn is one of the many ways that we are able to document our sexual culture. And for someone who's been in front of the camera as well, it's been a way where I've really documented so much of my sex life. And I wanted to make sure that um, when I was pregnant, that my sexuality didn't stop. And I wanted to continue to uh, document that as well in performances. I I think that's, it's so important for us to continue those, those narratives. When I was pregnant, I 
remember feeling very disconnected from my sexuality, I think mainly because I really just had not seen anything. I hadn't had anyone talk to me about what that was going to look like or had looked like for them. I hadn't seen it anywhere. Um, and so I almost had like a feeling of disgust about it. And I feel like if I had somehow had access to that, I would have been going for it, you know, just let, let me see what this is supposed to look like and how yeah. I'm going to do this. No, and then there's also this idea somehow that women are so fragile and, you know, so many women, they are afraid to even have sex when they're pregnant. Right. So it might yeah. be helpful to see some, some people like really banging it out. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. No, but I, but I, I mean, I mean, in the end, what, what it's all about, it's, it's kind of sharing, you know, it's sharing uh, experiences and seeing other people. And, and that's a way of, of, of opening up ourselves and getting into, you know, to, to other ways of experiencing our own sexuality. I think that there's many people out there who are afraid of their own sexuality, that think that somehow that they are strange or different or perverse or, you know, and, and then when you see other people on screen doing things that you may have fantasized about and doing it in a very, you know, natural, open way, I think that it can really help you to accept your own sexuality. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so, Delving into a whole nother project, <laughs> you recently produced a non-adult sex-positive web series called Hot Summer Days, which I'm so excited about. Um, and it focuses on high school seniors and delves into their budding sexuality and tackles everything from a masturbation video scandal, identity crisis, sexual exploration, and the complex bond of female friendship. Um, we would love to hear more about this web series. What can you tell us about well, it? I, I think that what's really interesting about it is that it's a way of reaching another kind of audience that we all know are very interested in this kind of subjects. And at the same time, we, we, we are not allowed and we cannot show them pornography because as a society, we have all decided that that's something that you can only watch from 18 and above. So uh, this is a way of, of being able to talk to a younger generation, really, with the, 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 the issues and the themes that they are interested in. This is a web series that's on YouTube, with the rules of YouTube. Was this the first project that you did that was a non-adult, not graphic um, Actually, actually it's, it's, I, I would say it's the second one because I okay. did, I did t a few years ago. I mean, time passes so quickly. So now I don't even know if it's two years or three years, but a few years back, I think it's two. I did, uh, I did a web series called X Confessions, the series, uh, with two, two, two women, two girls, podcasters, uh, huh? <laughs> Thank you too. And they were, 
No, and and the idea in that was that I was I was somehow you know showing uh, the the erotic films from my project X Confessions, but the the non-explicit versions, right? Uh, so it it kind of was a branded you know branded content uh, uh -huh. web series in a in a way. Uh, so that was my first my the first thing I kind of did that that was not explicit explicit. Um, and what do you feel like are the advantages and disadvantages that that you've experienced like working in the constraints of creating something that's not graphic? Well, uh, I mean, it's it's difficult to answer because it's in the end. I mean, I am. I, I think as a person, I'm very interested in the explicitness of sex. I think that that in the end, that's kind of what I want to tackle and what I want to 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 get into. But I want to do it in a sense that that you know my films could be without sex also because right. i i'm i'm also interested in i mean for me it's not when, when i'm when i'm thinking about doing a film it's i don't do it only because i want to show the sex that's not only the reason you know i do it because i want to explore uh, a sensation uh about eroticism, about sexuality. I want to understand these characters. Who are they? What are they desiring? Why are they into each other? How are they communicating with each other sexually? I think that, that it, that's the whole kind of, of, of interest for me. I, I'm not really... I'm, you know, I'm not the kind of porn filmmaker that would say, hey, let's call these two actors, put them on a sofa and film them having sex. I want something more to it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, um, I watched the first two episodes on YouTube of Hot Summer Days, this series for young people. I am not too ashamed to say that I will be watching the rest of them. <laughs> Um, wonderful. because these actors are really adorable. Um, your, yeah. your team is so talented, right? Yeah. Because yeah. these actors, um, are really adorable. They're super cool, right? Like if I just would, I'm just imagining being a young person of 15, 16 and, um, watching this, it's really very good. So much about the characters is packed into such a short amount of time and so many difficult topics that feel so real and intense are packed into this short amount of time too. Um, but how do you, how, like, how can we get this series out to more young people? What have the challenges been in getting it out there? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I don't know. We would have to try to do a campaign somehow, spreading the word, getting it out there. But you know how difficult it is with anything that has to do with sex, even if this is not an explicit series. I mean, we are so limited when it comes to advertising our work. We are not allowed to do that. You can you know, even do Google AdWords and, and all these, these platforms, we are not allowed to exist on them. Uh, so it's 
really about, uh, you know, word to mouth, having people watching it, having them telling their friends, trying maybe to get it into, you know, press, uh, having them, you know, listing it on, on, on sites where they are talking about web series. Uh, I think that's the kind of work we need to do. I think it's so amazing because I was thinking, okay, well, who, what young people am I going to tell about this? And I thought I have a lot of young people in my life and I, it made me realize I don't, I don't open up the topics of sexuality enough with them where they would be super easy for me to throw out. Oh, there's this really cool film series to watch, you know? So I, I think that we need to be talking to all the young people. We need, to be talking, we need to be talking to young people, but in general, we need to be talking to them more about sex, obviously, because we all know that sex education in our schools is not what it should be. Uh, and we all know that the internet is there and they are watching porn and most of the porn that they are watching is not the best kind of porn and that they are learning, you know, they are learning how people are, are having sex on, on these free tube sites and, and uh, then they are taking that out to their own life, trying to reproduce it and it's not working out so great for many of them. So I think piggybacking on exactly what you're saying, um, you know, I, I think folks get really hung up on how to talk with their kids about porn. Mm -hmm. And, um, but I feel like it's just really an extension of the many, many, many body and consent and sex conversations that happen with our children through their lives. Um, I love that you created the pornconversation.org as a resource for parents that are at a loss of when and where to talk about porn. Can you tell us a little bit about, about this project and how it all came to be? You see how many projects I have going on. It's incredible. <laughs> when you start talking about it, I go like, oh my God, <laughs> what a superwoman I am. Uh, <laughs> but the pornconversation.org actually, uh, that, that kind of happened because we have daughters, you know, me and my husband. And we had this, this question all the time from so many mm -hmm. parents around us, like, what do we do? How should we talk to our kids about, about porn? Do we, do we really need to do it? You know, that's that many people feel so, so ashamed. They don't even have the, the sex conversation. So when you yeah. suddenly tell them that they need to start talking about porn, they go like, no, 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 I cannot do that. You know? And, and I think that we need to realize that, that we need to prepare. I mean, any, any father or mother knows that you need to prepare your kids for the world we live in. And this is a reality, you know, it's, it's, you cannot, you cannot pretend that porn doesn't exist and it's, that it's not out there, you know. We are giving technology to our kids when they are really, really young. And most people are giving that technology without any, any rules or any information or any guidelines at all. And, and of course, uh, our kids will, will reach porn sooner or later. You know, most people think that, oh, maybe this will start happening when they turn like 15. No, that's not true at all. You know, it starts happens from like 9, 10, 11. They are already, you know, on it. Yeah. So if you want to help them 
you need to tell them that it, you know, that it does exist. You need to tell them about your values, how you feel about it, what you feel is, is, is right or not right about it, you know. And then it depends on, on what age group they are, obviously, how detailed that conversation should be. Mm-hmm. But, 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 but pretending that it doesn't exist, that would not take you anywhere. That would be like letting your, do- your daughter go to a, a club or a bar or a discotheque without talking to them about alcohol or cigarettes or drugs or, you know, how the world works. You need to prepare them. So at thepornconversation.org, you've made this a lot easier for people. Right. That's the idea. The idea is that we have, you know, put together a lot of different resources, articles, videos, TED Talks, you know, all, all this information that's, that's out there on the internet, but that you not necessarily know how to find. We have put it in the same place and then we have together with sexologists developed three different PDF uh, files that you can download for different age groups where we talk a little about how you can approach this, this subject with, with your kids. Right. And it's called the, or the conversation because it's not really a talk, you know, right. because many people think it's yeah. set them down on the couch and talk to them. But that's, that's not the best idea. You know, the best idea is trying to make it into a conversation that's going on during, you know, their whole life, kind of. That's it. I mean, it should start when they are young and it should continue. Do you have a recommendation for, um, I'm just thinking selfishly here, um, yeah. Uh, for when you've been very um, uh, open with talking about everything having to do with sexuality as your child gets older, and then you know that they have um, access to the internet, sometimes in places which are not your home, um, and but you haven't really had the porn conversation yet, say like 10 or 11 years old, and uh, nothing has come up to sort of start that conversation. Is there like a certain age where you should like bring, start to bring it up or what would you recommend? Well, I think it depends. It depends a lot on, on, on your kid because we all know that they are very different at different ages, you know, yes. how they develop it. Oh, there's some kids that are 12 that already feels like they're 16 and there are others who feels more like they're eight, you know? Mm-hmm. So it depends a lot on how, how you see your kid and how you, how you feel about it. But it's, it's first of all, First of all, it's it's about sex. It's about having, you know, the conversations about sex, what it means, what is pleasure. I mean, I remember when when I talked to my girls, for example, uh, about 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 sex and pleasure and having kids. You know, we had this conversation at one one point a few years back when when they they said, So you and Daddy then you had sex twice. And I laughed a little, you know, and I looked at them and I go like, nope. We actually had sex quite many more times than two, you know, because they are two, you know. So they thought that you have sex, you become pregnant, you have a kid. And then that was an opportunity for me to start talking to them about pleasure. So, you know, I I I went through it up with it with it and I said, no, because you know, sex is not only for having kids, sex is actually mostly for having pleasure. So I think that. 
if you want to be a sex positive parent, the most important thing is informing yourself and then having kind of a strategy from a very early age and not missing the opportunities because there will be many, many opportunities. You know, the kids, they will come with questions. And if you are afraid of the questions, it's always good to ask them back, like, what do you think it is? Or how do you feel about this? Or where did you hear about this? Or, you know, so you get a little more background information about what they are really thinking. Uh, but but I think I think that what we should really do is seeing these these occasions as opportunities. Absolutely, Madison. I'm just going to get your perspective here since I'm asking yeah. this. Because um, uh -huh. since you have um, a kiddo the same age as the one I'm thinking about, um, should I just trust that porn's going to? it's going to come up and I'm going to be able to talk about it when it comes up. It's not something well, I have to like think to again, bring up. You know, I mean, what, what is porn? Porn is a film that has sex in it. You know, we were at the aquarium uh, two weeks ago and there were two toes that were having sex, you know, it's not a big deal and you don't have to hide what's going on with the toads. If you've had conversations about, bodies and the many different ways that we, you know, uh, might share touch, consenting touch. Um, and, uh, and so porn is just an extension of that. Um, but in so terms I mean, of like the, con like that a child can like being a consumer in a way of not, not putting out the money, but just in terms of what, what's found on the internet, like, you know, what, what you're seeing and explaining what you're seeing and all of that. I, I yeah. think that it's really important to explain to them that it's fiction, that it's many times exaggerated fiction of sex. That it's great. A big, a big part of that porn that's out there, it's kind of like Superman, you know? You see it in films, in films he can fly, but then in reality, there's no human being that can fly. You know, there's so much of the porn that's out there that is unrealistic, that is, you know, four minutes of, you know, hard pounding, boom, 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 and then you hear this woman coming out of an orgasm that you feel like, oh my God, this is so fake that I can die. That's probably not happening at all, you know? Uh, and I think it's important to explain to, to them that it's, it's exaggerated fiction and then to tell them that m m much of the porn that I see out there on the internet, it's not really representing sex in a an, in an, in an kind of... Um, Oh, I can't find a good word for what they want to say, but you know, it's not representing sex in, uh, in an equal way, maybe. Mm -hmm. uh, much of it is very misogynistic. Uh, it's so much about men banging, nailing, smashing, pounding women. Mm -hmm. uh, watch out for that because you know sex is something that is more difficult sex is something that takes time it takes time to get to know your own body it takes time to get to know another person's body uh, it's about shared pleasure um, I love that the fiction part of it yeah. I mean and I might even say science fiction 
serious. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's helpful. That's very helpful. Just to just the, that reminder of that word, because the kids will know, you know, their fiction from their nonfiction by that time. And and then also, I think another good way of, of sometimes explaining it is also to say that it's meant for adults, you know, because right. that's, that's the idea here, you know, it's not meant for 11 year old kids, it's meant for adults. And, and, and they can maybe understand that if you explain that, that you mean, I mean, uh, a terror movie or a, a, a drama is not meant for kids either. Right. It's a grown up movie where grown ups are sharing touch and pleasure. Exactly. So we're at the end of this wonderful time with you, Erica, and we have a last question that we ask everybody. And it's for you as a parent, kind of just stepping into the parenter, parenting role rather than porn producer. Um, what is your current sort of rose and thorn in your parenting? First, uh, uh, a parenting challenge that's happening for you right now and then something that feels particularly joyful. Wow, uh, particularly joyful is just, oh my god it's just being with them you know it's doing things it's having fun it's all the conversations that we are having that are so amazing it's uh experiencing life with them and see it through their eyes i think that's that's incredible and and i'm also so happy that my daughters they are they have three years of difference between them but they are the best friends ever and Aww. you know together so nice. and communicating and taking so much care of each other both of them eh? even the, the the little one is taking so mm. much care of her older sister because her older sister is afraid of sleeping at night and you know and then the little one says i can sleep in your room i can Aww. help oh <laughs> yeah so sweet it's, it's really that's that's amazing and i mean challenges there are so many so i don't even know where to start because it, it there's so many when you're a parent you know and and just trying to 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 find time for everything you want to do i now just just today i i realized that i have a, a meeting in their school uh, next week and that i had to book a, a, a trip to go out of town and i'm not going to be able to make it and it's you know it just makes me sad sometimes but then also you know i i am my own person i have my own life i have my career and responsibilities and i have a company i'm running and you know sometimes you just can't make it so i'm really i'm really happy that i have such a great partner in my life uh my my husband nowadays we actually we've been together for 19 years we met in the summer of 2000 but we got married uh three years ago so it's, it's still very strange for me to call him my my husband so i used <laughs> to say my partner uh, <laughs> but um but he's he's really He's a wonderful man. He's 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 the best. I mean, the way we are co-parenting together, the way we 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 are so equal in our relationship, and we are doing this together. Uh, I'm I'm so grateful for that. That's gorgeous. So happy for you. Thank you so much. Thank you so thank, much. It thank you so much, Erica. It is so great having you on the show. Thank you. <laughs> 
You've been listening to Wash Your Mouth Out Podcast. You can find us on the web at washyourmouthoutpodcast.com. Come follow us on Instagram at washyourmouthoutpodcast and on Twitter at mouthoutpodcast. Wanted to remind you about our Patreon at patreon.com slash washyourmouthout. For our tip jar and our lattes of love at respectively $1 and $5 each, we just give you so much gratitude. Hang 10 is our $10 per month level, and you will be keeping the audio waves and this new wave of feminism flowing. We will send you a special wash your mouth out one inch button pin for your backpack or jacket and a written thank you for screaming like a riot girl or toddler. You are on a riot level. We will send you a signed copy of one of Madison's books, either Daddy or The Ultimate Guide to Sex Through Pregnancy and Motherhood. You'll also get access to my, Moria's, online parenting courses for gentle sleep, gentle discipline, or potty. There is also a last tier smashing stigma with a sledgehammer than $99 or more per month supporter level. You are a partner with us. You get a 20-minute monthly sleep potty uh, or gentle di- sleep potty or gentle discipline coaching session with me, Moria Malat, and a sex coaching for parents section with Madison. You'll get to know who our guests are ahead of time and submit questions you'd love for them to answer. And your generous monthly donation gets that and all of the above. So find us on patreon.com slash wash your mouth out. And even if you can just give wash us that $1 out. per month so you feel like you're really contributing as you're listening, we really wash appreciate that. Out. Wash your mouth out.